Hey, look who's in the house. Winnie and Tom. Yay. I've had the privilege of knowing Winnie for now 35 years, 36 years. Well, we met in kindergarten. So, and Tom, uh, Tom, I've had the privilege of, of being able to go and suffer with him through Jets games. Tom was a season ticket holder for Jets for many years, and he knew that Sunday games were impossible. So whenever there was a Monday night game, Tom would always call me. I'd meet him in the parking lot. And, uh, I mean, we suffered through many tough games, but, and it doesn't look any better this year, Tom. Well, you can call up my, uh, my message. Speaking of suffering, is anybody like me who finds usernames and passwords frustrating after a while? Oh, my goodness. To try to keep track of all of them. I, I went on this one site the other day, and... I, I put in my username, I put in the password, and it said, sorry. So the first thing I check is my capital lock. Make sure my capital lock's not on. And it wasn't, so I type it again. If it's wrong, type it again. It's wrong. And then it locks me out of the site. So you have to make some calls. And I found out that this site now, every three months, you have to change your password. And I'm just like, what more? And I, I thought to myself, if everyone required that, I'd be in trouble. But let me just, I saw this the other day, and I had to start laughing, because there is one username and one password. Let me tell you, it's very important. You should never forget. Sorry, your username and password don't match. <laughs> Listen, when you stand before the pearly gates... How many know your username is, I'm a child of God, and the password is the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God. Well, I share that because I saw that because I want to tell you another story about a man who, who died, and he went to heaven. He's standing before the pearly gates, and Peter is there, and Peter says, hey, do you want a tour of heaven? And this man says, yeah, sure. So Peter leads him down this big, long hallway with doors on each side. He gets to the first door. Peter opens it up slowly. The man looks in, and Peter says, These are the Presbyterians, he, as he whispers. And he closes the door. He goes to the next door. He opens it, and the guy looks in, and Peter whispers, These are the Methodists. Then he closes the door. He gets to another door, and the man hears some splashing. He was like, what's going on? The man opened, Peter opens the door and he goes, these are the Baptists. He gets to the next door. Now this next door, he, the guy actually hears noise coming from the room. Peter opens the door and he goes, these are the Pentecostals. Closes the door and he goes down through the rest of the hallway, opening doors and whispering. And, and when they get to the last door, Peter closes it. They come back to the pearly gates and this man says to Peter, why do you whisper? And Peter says, because each group thinks they're the only ones here. We laugh. But how true 
sometimes in our minds that the only ones in heaven are going to be the Pentecostals. Well, I want to share as we finish up this series on Better Together, which I have really enjoyed. Because truly we are better together. And uh, I, I so enjoy our parking lot services, especially for the second service. Uh, for the first service, you all enjoy being together. But for the second service, we still put some people in this building, some people in Building B. And a big shout out to all the Building B people and to the teams over there helping out and leading. And to Pastor Jamal and, and all those out in Building B, we, we love you guys. We, we just know there's coming a day when we're going to be together like we were in the parking lot. But just keep praying. And... Um, I want to speak on this subject, belonging. When I think of the word belonging, it's a very simple word. Belonging is a very simple word. But it has a huge context, a huge concept. Belonging literally means acceptance. Now, I have to be honest. With everything that's going on today in this world, you don't know what to believe, what not to believe, what's fake news, what's not fake news. But I, I read with Ruth Ginsburg passing away, there was this great article about her relationship with Anthony Scalia. And when you think of two people that are polar opposites but yet you read this article about the friendship and the bond that they had I think to myself boy that puts us to shame because how much greater should we who have the common bond of Jesus Christ have a bond with one another well when Jesus started his earthly ministry how many know that that threw the religious order into complete chaos? It disrupted their system. It disrupted the way they did things, the way they thought. Jesus literally challenged the way they thought. Because when Jesus came on the scene, his public ministry was basically this. I'm about everybody. I'm for everybody. And he brought the good news, the gospel. His message was one of redemption and reconciliation for the whosoever will. Now, to the Jews, God's chosen. This brought some conflict. But Jesus says, it's not only about the Jewish nation. But what was the promise of Abraham? That all nations would be blessed. It's also about the Gentiles. How many know it's about the Asians and the Africans and the Americans and the Republicans and the Democrats and the Tea Party? Is there a Tea Party anymore? I don't know. 
and it threw the religious order of that day into complete chaos. It brought about a problem because the early church was basically made up of Jewish believers. So even after his death, his burial, and his resurrection, even in the early church, it created a problem. It created a tension. It created a hatred. It created a division. It created a discord. You know what? There's nothing new under the sun, is there? Because we still suffer with this today. So I want you to meet me at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 15. Because the early church had to deal with this problem. They had to answer the question, what are we going to do with the Gentiles? And here was their thinking. How could someone who is non-Jewish follow a Jewish rabbi without being Jewish? Think about that. That was just weird to their thinking. Almost crazy. Because culturally, there were certain lines. Religiously, there were certain lines that were drawn that you just don't cross over. You didn't mix with certain people. And Jesus comes on the scene and totally disrupts their thinking. And there in Acts chapter 15... There at the Council of Jerusalem, the meeting of the early church, they had to solve this problem, this question. What are we going to do with the Gentiles? Is it and could it be that our differences are better together? Acts chapter 15, starting with verse 1. We'll read verses 1 and 2. And then we'll skip down to, to verse 5 here. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Whoa! Winnie, you'll remember this. Remember at Valley Chapel, uh, there was a all Italian Sunday school class. There was an Italian Sunday school class that was taught in Italian. And they would meet in the one side of the sanctuary. The class was still going on. I was coming up from Sunday school and I had to go back to the office. And I saw the pastor, Reverend D'Angelo, in that class just like this with the teacher along his side. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, what took place here? The people got all upset one lady went and got pastor, Pastor D'Angelo, you got to come here, you got to come here, you got to come here. Because the Sunday school teacher was teaching, and this was an old belief, that if you didn't speak in tongues, if you didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues, you weren't going to go to heaven. Wow. 
I'll never forget that. This brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and debated with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem and to see the apostles and the elders about this question. Let's skip down to verse 5 now. Skip down to verse 5. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers were able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. We believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we have been saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. This almost seems inconceivable that they had to have a church meeting to discuss whether the Gentiles would have to be circumcised like the Jews in order to be a part of them. And there they have this meeting, and I don't want to get into all the details and all the outcome of it, but basically the outcome was this, that the outcome of that council was uh, what, what James suggested, no, in my judgment, therefore, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So in other words, they did not require them to be circumcised. And let me say something about this. We should not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from Food polluted by idols. That's kind of interesting because Paul later addressed that in Corinthians. Sexual immorality, that was because of all the prostitution uh, uh, at the uh, temples. And from, meat strangled, and from meat strangled animals and from blood. Okay, we're not going to make it hard on you. But here's some things you still have to follow. Why do I bring this up? 
as I was reading this the other day, boy, there was a light that went off in my head. As I was reading about the problem that they had in the early church, and there's always problems taking place no matter where. This is what caught my attention. Paul, Barnabas, and Peter. Paul, Barnabas, and Peter. All spoke up in favor of the Gentiles. All advocated for the Gentiles. All spoke on behalf in favor of the Gentiles. And I'm thinking in my mind, whoa. But then you have to realize context is everything. How many know context is everything? And the reason they spoke on their behalf is we have to have knowledge of the context of what took place before the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. What was it that, in ordered, that enabled Paul and Barnabas and Peter to speak on behalf of the Gentiles? What, what do we get from the context? Well, let's go back a little. Let me remind you of some things. Remember Paul? His name was Saul. And before his radical conversion, what was Saul doing? He was persecuting the church. He was persecuting the Christians who were followers of the way. If you were a follower of Jesus back then, you were called part of the way. And then we have his radical conversion there on the Damascus Road. There we find later in uh, Acts chapter 13, Paul is at a church in Antioch. They're worshiping the Lord. And while that church in Antioch is worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. And we know that Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14 is the recording of the very first missionary journey that Paul and Barnabas go on. Now, as you read chapter 13 and 14 about that missionary journey, that they go to Cyprus, and then they go up to Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. As you read about the ministry in those places, usually what they're doing is they go into the synagogues first. But after a short time, what happens? They get kicked out of the synagogue. Now, they just don't hop on the plane and go to the next city. They hang around. And now they're ministering in the streets. And guess who are all ears? The Gentiles. And there, after a while, ministering to the Gentiles, building a relationship with them, seeing signs and wonders happen among them, the, the, the Jewish people, the church, get so upset, they, they just kick them out and they go on to the next. But as you read about that first missionary journey, you'll see that there was a great bond that established with Barnabas and Saul and the Gentiles 
in Asia Minor. Now, let's talk about Peter. Because something of great significance happens in Acts chapter 10 before the Council of Trent, uh, before the Council of Trent, before the Council of Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 10, we read about a man by the name of Cornelius, who was a Gentile, who was a centurion. A centurion was, was a member of the Roman army. Now listen very carefully. This is very important. If you were Jewish, boy, you didn't like those who were part of the Roman army because they controlled your territory. So not only is Cornelius a Gentile, he's also a Roman soldier. But the Bible says he was a devout believer. He prayed regularly. And one day while he was praying, God gave him a revelation that he was to send for a man who was 40 miles away. Go to this, this man. Go get Peter. He, he's, he's in Joppa at the house of Simon the Tanner. Now, at that same time, what do we read about Peter? Peter is up on the rooftop. And it's around the lunch hour. And he's hungry for his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And while it's being made, while he's waiting for lunch, he has a dream, a vision. Now, when you're hungry, what do you normally dream about? Food. So as Peter is hungry, all of a sudden, he, he's bombarded with all these animals that are unclean and is told to eat. And Peter says, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, I don't know why this is about Peter, but Scripture says this happened three times. And the Lord says this to Peter. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. What was God doing? God was preparing Peter to go on a mission. And let me say this. That God always prepares us before he sends us. And at this time, the Lord says, oh, and by the way, there's coming a knock on your door. Some men from the house of Cornelius, I want you to go with them. Boy, how significant. And I mean, no sooner later does the Lord say this to Peter, and there's a knock on the door. Don't you wish your prayers were answered that quick? Amen. And Peter goes down. And let me tell you something. If it wasn't for this revelation, I don't know if he would ever have gone. But Peter goes with these men 40 miles away to the house of Cornelius. 
He goes into the house. They have their greetings. But listen to one of the first things that Peter says. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against the law of a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. Wow. Well, hello to you too. I mean, he just puts it out. Guys, listen, this, this is against our custom. This is against what is written. This, this is against how we believe. However, I want you to know that God does not discriminate. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure and unclean. And when it says man, that includes women because it's mankind. So they get that off the table. And there's this celebration. So Peter has this revelation. But now with this revelation, there comes an experience. Because as they are talking, there's a Holy Ghost moment. There's a move of the Holy Spirit. And as they're talking, it says that the circumcised believers who were with Peter came to Peter and said, Hey, these Gentiles, they've received the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because we hear them speaking in tongues that the same Spirit we have received, they have received. And Peter says this. Then Peter began to speak. Now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what's right. Wow. Along with the revelation, there came an experience. And I'll tell you what, I'm so glad for the revelation that God gave to me that he loves me. But I'm also thankful for the experience that he gives me that I can enjoy that. Now, this is huge consequence. Do you know what this means for Peter? This was a complete game changer. Being an advocate, aligning yourself with the Gentiles... This had serious implications. Serious implications for his reputation. Serious implications for his life. Seriously, serious implications for his safety. Because just two chapters later, where do we find Peter? In prison. Herod had him arrested because it says in scriptures he saw that it what? Pleased the Jews. Why did it please the Jews to have Peter arrested? Because Peter had stepped over that cultural line. And then when you get to the end of the missionary journey in Acts chapter 14 when Paul was in Lystra. People from Antioch, people from Iconia, they come to Lystra. They, they get all the people in Lystra on their side. And what do they do to Paul? 
the Jews are so upset, they stone Paul outside the city and leave him as dead. Why? Because he had crossed over that line. But we read in Scripture how the disciples gathered around Paul. And as they gathered around him, Paul was resurrected. He was whole again. Now, can I be honest? If there was ever a time to go home, it's now. But what does Paul do? Does anybody know what Paul does? Scripture says that Paul believed in the message of redemption and reconciliation so great that he went back into the same city that had just stoned him. Come on, my friends. I say all of that because here is the crux. Here's the bottom line. Here's the nitty-gritty. Here's what this message that God has laid on my heart when we talk about being better together. This is what it's all about. It was almost impossible for them, Peter, Barnabas, Paul, to be allies and advocates for people who are different from them without being in a relationship with them or having significant experience with them. The reason that Peter, Paul, and Barnabas were able to speak on behalf of the Gentiles is because they had a relationship and they experienced them. They realized that their differences were better together. So what does this have to say to us today? First and foremost, I think all of you know this. But first and foremost, when we see people who are different, who act different, who maybe are not even of the same political party. Remember, we were all created in the image of God. We were all created. And I believe that's what Paul, Barnabas, and Saul, Saul, Gentiles, created in the image of God. Now, I have often thought about what was it that allowed Peter to cross over the threshold into Cornelius' house. It was the revelation that he had. What was it that enabled Paul and Barnabas to associate with the Gentiles? As followers of Jesus Christ, as his disciples, we are to do what Jesus would do. And let me tell you something. As I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
Jesus set the example. Jesus pursued a chief tax collector. One of his own that sold himself out and told Zacchaeus, come down, I'm coming to your house. What was it always said about Jesus? How come he hangs around those? Doesn't he know who he's hanging around? How come he's eating at their house? Jesus set the example and went to the home of a hated tax collector. Remember that story? They Jesus with his disciples, the disciples were hungry, so the disciples went to Wawa's for a minute. And Jesus stood by this well, and there was a woman. Not just a woman, but a Samaritan. And when Jesus strikes up a conversation with her, she's shocked. She's, well, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, you shouldn't be talking. But he what? He set the example. And even when his disciples came back, they were like, whoa, what's he doing? And then in Luke chapter 5, I had this new revelation of this simple little story. In Revelation chapter 5, there's this man with leprosy comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing... Remember that? Lord, if you are willing. And I always interpret that, if it be your will. But I don't know if it means that. Because a leper was a social outcast. He shouldn't even been where he was. He had to stay in the colony of the, the leprosies. And I believe what he was saying is, Lord, if you're willing to give this social outcast a little attention. When he said, if you're willing, I realize that I'm a social outcast and I shouldn't even be here. But if you're willing, and Jesus was not only willing but he touched the man. Oh, the power of touch. Yes, through revelation, Peter went, but it was also because of an example that was set by Jesus. And then later in the book of Corinthians, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And man, that church at Corinth, they had some problems. They had a lot of problems. And to the church at Corinth that was experiencing all these problems in his second letter, it could have been his fourth letter. We believe it might have been there were four letters sent to the church at Corinth. We only have two. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave us the ministry. Boy, I, I don't know 
if there's a more beautiful word in the human language than the word reconciliation. I don't know if there's anything more beautiful than the word reconciliation. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Man, maybe you don't agree with someone. Maybe someone doesn't <laughs> agree with you. But all I do know is all of our differences are better together. And that's what I got as I read Acts chapter 15. All because of not the outcome, but why was it that Peter, Paul, and Barnabas defended the Gentiles because of an example, because of a revelation, and then they were given an experience? You know what I say? We miss out on a lot of experiences with other people and other cultures. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. We like our comfort. But I'm more rich today from the various different cultures and hang around people of different beliefs and understanding because we are really, truly. That, that early church struggled. Are we better together? And Peter... Paul and Barnabas all spoke up along with James and said, despite our differences, we are better together. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for opening our ears and our eyes and our hearts to receive this day. Lord, I, I know that we get so comfortable within our own little group, our own little community of people. And Lord, there are those right in amongst our congregation who are different that we could value from. And Lord, help us to sometimes break out of our comfort zone to experience, to listen, to hear, their story and as we understand their story we better understand them Lord thank you for the diversity that exists young and old ethnically educationally economically you take us from all different areas and walks of life take all our differences and you make us better together. Thank you for giving us the ministry of reconciliation. And Lord, I pray that Lord, we, we would see the mighty hand of God as people reconcile themselves one to another. May we see a, a mighty move of God Would you stand with me?